You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Heller. Um, Been a pretty busy week uh, in baseball in general. Um, So we have a lot to get into, and the Phillies made their first, you know, big signing of the offseason. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, Before we get into things, just wanted to say that Ty uh, is having a little bit of a health issue. He will not be on here for the next few episodes. Um, But with that in mind, we have a couple special guests tonight. Um, We have Phillies Nation Editorial Director Tim Kelly and Phillies Nation Deputy Editorial Director Destiny Legardo. So I'll start with you, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, finally become a busy time for the Phillies. And obviously, like you said, everything seems like it's going to be good with Ty, but we're we're definitely thinking of him right now. Yeah. And Destiny, how are you? I'm doing okay. Today was a really good day, uh, personally, for this country. And hopefully in the next couple of days, the Phillies have, a, have some good days. And I'm really rooting for Ty. Um, hope he gets better. And I hope he's back to podcasting with you because I'm really going to miss him the next few weeks. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, best wishes to Ty. Um, and yeah, in regards to the Phillies, uh, we'll, we'll start. We have some stuff with JT Romero to talk about later in the podcast, but we'll start with their uh, signing of relief pitcher Archie Bradley uh, to a one-year $6 million deal. Obviously, the, the Phillies bullpen was a disaster last year. So I'll start with you, Tim. Um, what, what difference does, does the Bradley signing make? Well, you hope it it brings some stability to the bullpen, which obviously you didn't have last year. Archie Bradley was excellent in the second half of last season with the Reds. He obviously has had quite a bit of success prior to that with the Diamondbacks. By all accounts, this should be a good signing. But by all accounts, a lot of the moves that the Phillies have made in the bullpen over the last few seasons should have worked out and didn't. So, uh, you know, you hope that they figured out why that's the case and that they just kind of luck into some or, or do for some better luck with Archie Bradley here. Because in theory, this should be a good signing and a guy that brings a lot of energy to the team. Yeah, I think the only way that this doesn't work is if, you know, what happened with David Robertson, he gets injured in the first couple of outings. The bar is on the floor for for Archie Bradley, um, considering what the bullpen was last year. Um, I don't know if they're going to sign another reliever, but it looks like Bradley's the big acquisition here. Um, he could close. Um, on the, actually, on the Phillies website, they have him listed as a closer, which is really interesting. Probably doesn't mean anything, but it's interesting. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, too. Um, someone asked me on Twitter who I thought was going to be the closer. And and Hector Neris is closed, Jose Alvarado is closed, and Archie Bradley. They, they've all closed, but um, Hector Neris has done it the most out of anyone. So I, I thought that he might have made might make the most sense to start the season. But uh, like you said, he, uh, Bradley is listed. as the Yeah, closer. and I mean, those are unofficial on the website, but I, I would guess Archie Bradley is the guy that gets the first crack at it because – when the Phillies had a chance last year to acquire Brandon Workman, they didn't put him into the eighth inning and keep Naris in the ninth. 
Joe Girardi flipped the two. Obviously, it was a disaster. But you're hoping for a bounce back from Hector Neris, but he just didn't have enough time last year. The the regression probably would have happened over the course of a full season. But in a 60-game season, he was not good. And truth be told, I think he probably is better geared to be a setup man on a contending team. Whether Archie Bradley is your closer or not, we'll ultimately see. But I think Archie Bradley will open the season as the closer in 2021. Yeah, could, could definitely uh, see that. Um, and like you mentioned, Destiny, we don't know if they're going to sign any other bullpen help. Uh, but looking looking at, at the, the state of the bullpen, Tim, do you think um, do you think that's something they need? Do you think uh, do you think we could see them sign a Brad Hand or a Trevor Rosenthal, or do you think it'd be more like a, a Jose Alvarez type of, of addition? I don't think it's going to be uh, Brad Hand or Trevor Rosenthal, but. Yeah, I mean, Jose Alvarez was excellent, save for getting hit in a very unfortunate circumstance in in that game in uh, Buffalo against the Blue Jays and a disaster of a day overall. Jose Alvarez was excellent for two years for the Phillies. I I mean, I think in a normal year, had he stayed healthy, had it not been the pandemic, Jose Alvarez was headed towards just a a multi-year deal. And now he's just kind of another guy that's out there. So to me, it would make sense to bring him back, whether you have to guarantee him a major league deal. And certainly if it's only a minor league deal and I would bring back Blake Parker. I mean, maybe that was unsustainable what he did last year, but there were stretches of the season last year where Blake Parker was your most stable reliever. But ultimately this season you're relying on Hector Neris bouncing back, Archie Bradley being good, and Connor Brockton taking a major step, which we all think he's capable of. But we, we've thought a lot of things about the bullpen going into the last few years, and almost none of them have turned out to be true. From Jose Alvarez's perspective, it's kind of crazy how much money it cost him by not wearing a cup. Just <laughs> yeah. thinking about that. Yeah. It's a, it's a shame because he's a really good pitcher, and he was he was really consistent for the Phillies in 2019. And especially if they could get him on a minor league deal, which I, I think he's going to sign a major league deal this off, off season, it should be a no-brainer to bring him back. Yeah, I they remember... might be a little left left-handed. They might be a little heavy on that side, but if, if it's a cheap deal, like they should at least you know really consider it. I remember a, a point in the season last year, and obviously it wasn't long because Jose Alvarez missed half the season and it was only sixty games. But I remember a point in our Phillies Nation group chat where I said, "Would you guarantee three years to Jose Alvarez this off season?" That's how I mean he he got off to a bit of a slow start in twenty nineteen, kind of got put in some bad situations early on in the season, but. Gabe Kapler stayed consistent to him. He was excellent in 2018 or 2019, excuse me. And then in 2020, when he pitched, he he was very good. So he's someone that I think, yeah, they should absolutely be looking to bring him back. Yeah, some would say the uh, bullpen version of Brad Miller, bring him back. (laughs) Won't cost you that much, but uh, um, we'll move on uh, to – JT Real Muto. So obviously this whole offseason, it's been, will the Phillies re-sign JT Real Muto? Who else could be going after him? Um, and everything has, has really gone in the Phillies' favor. Uh, the, the New York Mets look to be a, a potential suitor. They signed James McCann. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays look to be a suitor. They just signed George Springer yesterday. Um, and and now we're getting reports that the Phillies have, have first we got a report from Jason Stark. They made a... Um, you know, a nine-figure offer to Real Muto and um, John Heyman yesterday reported, or was that this morning reported that uh, they offered him $110 million. So 
uh, Tim, do you think that JT Romildo is going to be a Philly again? I do, uh, and I, I didn't at the beginning of the offseason, although I, I think I thought they were number two, but I thought the Mets would ultimately sign him. They pretty quickly went in another direction. And I, respectfully to JT Real Muto and Jeff Barry, who is represents a lot of different players, I, I think they've, they really just overplayed their hand and didn't grasp that they, they were idealistic as they were in arbitration last year and essentially believing – catchers deserve more and they're not getting their fair due and JT real mute is going to reset the market. And I think if they had opened this type of negotiation seeking 140, 145 million, there might've been a discussion to be had, but Todd Zalecki has been among those to report that they opened it at at one point looking for over $200 million. JT real Muto is a a catcher. That's going to be 30 years old before the season starts. That was never going to happen. And I think, if that truly was the asking price at the beginning of the off season, a lot of teams probably just looked at that and said, we, there's not even a, a way to meet in the middle here. It's just, it's, they're too far out. It's going to take forever. And the Phillies might end up lucking into that. And in some senses, I think Matt Klintak and Andy McPhail anticipated that that's kind of what would happen. In another sense, it would have only taken one team to come over the top, the Mets, whoever, and giving them 160, 170 million, that hasn't happened though. And it, it may end up being, if it's 110 million, 100, a little more than that, it may end up even being less than what we thought on the low end of a potential JT Real Muto contract. So this offseason has played out about as perfectly as it could for the Phillies in that sense. Nothing's official. They haven't signed them. Another team could come out of the woodwork, maybe the Nationals, but there's just no indication that's going to happen. And at this stage, I don't know if you're Real Muto's camp, who are you even like, how do you counter to an offer when you don't seem to have a legitimate second team interested? Yeah, it's kind of crazy how this how this all went down. I know Sandy Alderson said that uh, back when they were looking for a catcher, JT Real Muto flat out said that. He didn't. He wasn't ready to make a decision. He wanted to wait this out and get the biggest deal he can. But the Mets, um, one of the teams that needed a catcher, they just kind of wanted to move on. Um, so maybe from the get-go, the Phillies were the only team that would really be willing to wait and pay him the the long-term deal that he needed. I really don't think any other team is going to emerge in these next few days. There's not going to be a mystery team. I, I really don't see any team that's willing to pay a high AAV for Real Muto for one year. So. Um, I assume now the the two sides are just, they could be finalizing something, you know, maybe something could break um, after, you know, this podcast gets recorded and that's very, that would be very convenient for us. But um, yeah, I I really think this is in the home stretch and something's going to get done really soon. Yeah. And, and I I agree. Everything kind of seems to be pointing that way. Um, I mentioned the Springer signing with the Blue Jays. It was, it was, I think, probably bigger than bigger than I expected. It was a six-year, $150 million deal. Um, it seems like it was the Blue Jays and the Mets bidding on, on Springer. So, so that's obviously a di- different situation than, than Real Muto. But do, you, do you, either of you think that this hat, like him getting you know, more than he or it looked like he might get, do you think that has any impact on the real Muto situation? Or do you think just because it seems like the Phillies are the only suitor, he might 
you know, not. Yeah, I think the number. impact it has is that you took out the Blue Jays, who if any team was going to become a serious threat that was still on the board, I think they were it. So you took them out of this and you didn't allow the Mets to get a player. I mean, the fifth and sixth years of that Springer deal are probably going to be bad. But in the short term, he's still an elite outfielder and the Mets didn't get him. And now they can't trade Brandon Nemo for a pitcher or whatever. There's a giant chain effect that this has. The one thing I've wondered is you saw DJ LeMahieu end up with six years, which people did not expect. And you saw George Springer end up with six years. We know a few years ago, the Phillies spaced out Bryce Harper's deal. Uh, rather than have it be a 10 or 11 year deal, they space it out over 13 to help them stay under the luxury tax. And I, I think in the end, that's going to come back to burn them at some point. But in the short term, I guess it made sense. I think it would be a, an even bigger mistake to do that with JT Real Muto to give him six years as opposed to five uh, because he's a catcher that is going to be 30 this season. And as much as he's elite right now, there is just no history saying he's still going to be elite in age 34, age 35. So to be tacking on extra years to that deal unnecessarily would not make sense to me. Five years was always the cutoff point for JT real Muto or any catcher. And the Phillies are in a position now where if anything, five years is the max you're getting to, to go to six years would be a, a major mistake for me. I don't think it'll happen, but it is something I've thought about. I don't think JT getting six years isn't nearly as bad as Bryce Harper getting 60 years. And the only reason I say that is because in year six of a possible JT Real Muto contract, I do believe this team could find themselves in a rebuild and they could have, you know, they could need to, to shed salary and they would just have that, that bloated contract on there. And they're, if they're not trying to win, you know, it doesn't really matter um, to, to their chances of winning, but it's kind of interesting now because if, if JT Ramuto gets six years, it's only because the Phillies want to stretch that out and keep that AEV down, which I, I would say it's, it's surprising, but it's not because they did that with Bryce Harper. Yeah, I mean, just kind of a, a little bit of a counterpoint here. I get, obviously, you don't want to pay a catcher in, in his, you know, you probably don't even want to give him more than four years. He's already 30, but you're, you're going to have to. Um, you know, we can have a discussion about whether or not the Phillies should be spending more money. Um, but, but to separate from that, let's say they have a budget. Um, like Destiny said, you know, six years from now, we don't know what that this team looks like. Right now, we know that they have some pieces and that if they, you know, if they add the right pieces, it, it could be a winning team. So let's say giving Real Muto that sixth year allows you to sign another reliever or sign a starting pitcher um, that, that, you know, not a star or anything, but that could help this team. Does that change your thought process at all? Or do you? No, uh, no, because <laughs> I, at some point here, either you're going to waste the primes of JT Real Muto and Bryce Harper and Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nolan, and Reese Hoskins, or you're going to start developing from within and you're going to have cheap players. You can no longer continue to have 10, 15, $20 million players at every position because your farm system has failed so badly. I mean, and this is the reality with bringing back JT Real Muto. You're setting yourself up to be a team that needs to win these next two years. And I'm not saying don't bring back JT Real Muto, but I am saying when I look at this objectively with JT Real Muto back in the fold and maybe even someone else back in the fold, I still think the Phillies are not even one of the top two teams in the division. And that is a reality. Do you, uh, Destiny, I'll start with you. Do you think that you know, kind of real Muto falling into their lap. Does that impact the rest of their off season in, in the sense that 
Um, maybe John Middleton now is like, all right, we got him. We might as well, you know, here's a, here at Dombrowski, here's a little more money you can spend. Um, do you think they'll go more kind of all in or do you think it's it's still they'll sign Real Muto and that'll kind of be be it? Yeah, but I, I think that more has to do with Dombrowski coming in and possibly he to get to get Dombrowski to come, John Middleton had to promise him that I'll give you the resources to win. You know, maybe they they take a step back. They they don't get that payroll around 200 million this year, but they they do have to spend money. Um, they spent money for Dombrowski. So I yeah, I, I really don't see them doing nothing nothing after JT Realmuto. They seem really intent on signing a new shortstop. Um, they they really want to get a back end starter. They need more bullpen arms. So um, you know, after JT, that, that's not where the activity stops. It's gonna it's gonna continue. Yeah, I I would agree with what Destiny said. I know we're gonna get into the specifics a little bit more, but I'm encouraged since Dave Dombrowski has taken over at the fact that they didn't just look at the back end of the rotation and say, theoretically, you have Spencer Howard and Vince Velasquez, and that's good enough. They're acknowledging the realities that Spencer Howard, you have no idea what you're getting out of Spencer Howard next year or at all. Uh, as much as people like him and I like him, and he, he seems like a nice guy, he pitched 24 innings this last year. And Vince Velasquez is just kind of a guy. I mean, you, you have no well, all you know from Vince Velasquez is he's not going to pitch well against the Marlins. And beyond that, you're, you're guessing. I mean, he'll put together some interesting starts, and that's great. But this is probably not someone that you can have as your number four starter if you're trying to win this division. Yeah, uh, on, on that note, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about um, the Phillies' interest in, in a couple starters. Uh, there was a, a workout with um, Anibal Sanchez and, and Julio Tejeron uh, the other day. Um, I think there were like 20 teams there. Phillies were one of them. Um, Destiny, do you think signing one of those guys is enough? Like, is, is that enough to make the, the Phillies' rotation legitimate? Um, like, like Tim talked about, Howard is definitely a question mark. Velasquez, maybe he can give you 140, 150 innings, but they won't be great. Is adding one of those guys really, how much of a difference does that make? Not, probably not much of a difference. Um, the short answer, I, the Mets rotation is really, really good. I, I do think the Braves rotation is a little bit overrated, but it's, you know, signing a guy like that, it's a matter of, you know, there's a 162 game season coming up next year. There is some real risk of starting pitchers getting injured, and you kind of need guys that could throw as many innings as you can. They might not be the best innings ever, um, but you just need guys that eat up innings. But they're they're not really going to move the needle, um, and they they just need something beyond Spencer Howard and Vince Velasquez, and I, those options aren't very exciting. Maybe maybe it's a little it's a little better than we think, but. I, I do think they'll probably – they might sign one of them. I don't know. I think they'll sign someone, whether it's Tehran, whether it's Anibal Sanchez, whoever. But Destiny's right. You need someone just to eat innings. You need a Kyle Kendrick or whoever, like, to just sit at the back of the rotation and eat innings. Even if they have a four-and-a-half ERA, that is part of the deal. Uh, a lot of this is going to come down to this entire offseason – since Caleb Cotham's gotten hired as pitching coach and just in general, the Phillies have talked like the first three things in their starting rotation are sure things. And I think Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler are 
I don't know that Zach Eflin is. He had a very good season this past year, kind of the flip of what he's done. Traditionally, he's overperformed his peripherals. Last year, he underperformed it, and that was a shortened season. So if Zach Eflin proves to be a legitimate number three, then you have something to work with. If Zach Eflin regresses, I think you might really be in trouble. And I'm trying to remember, I think Bob Brookover might have wrote it or Scott Lauber, one of them. It was in the Philadelphia Inquirer the other day talking about Jake Arrieta was bad, but Jake Arrieta you knew was going to come out and pitch innings. And I think you need, not that you want someone to be bad, but you need someone, and it's not going to be Jake Arrieta, to kind of fill that role of veteran that you know, even on a bad night, is going to go out and pitch five or six innings. Listen, it technically is there any chance could, they resign Jake Arietta? Yeah. <laughs> no, could. <laughs> I mean, that, legit, there has not been a whisper this offseason about Jake Arietta. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, so no, I, I don't think it's going to be Jake Arietta, but Jake Arietta was someone I kind of felt bad in a sense because he was someone that still knew how to pitch, but his body had just deteriorated. And yeah, I mean, the Phillies need other guys like that because Vince Velasquez has not been that, and Spencer Howard has had injury problems in the last two years. So you need someone that can eat innings no matter what. Yeah, Tim, you wrote about Adam Wainwright, who I think is an, an interesting – because I think um, he's like – he was still very good last year. Um, so, yeah, you know, he's I, I am old, a little – I mean, uh, Jay Happ just got $8 million today. Yeah. Like, I'm – if that's what the market is – and the Phillies are operating on this budget. Maybe Adam Wainwright gets almost $10 million. I don't know. And it's still like the most likely scenario is him and Yadier Molina end up back with the Cardinals, but he's the name to me that makes the most sense. And of course you run the risk that it's someone that's 39 years old falls off a cliff, but uh, he hasn't done it so far. Yeah. The, the starting pitcher market has been weird. Like since Drew Smiley got $12 million, it's kind of been like, and then John Lester okay. got that $5 million contract, but that $2 million is paid in 2023, you know, the way the Nationals want to defer that money. It's just, yeah. like, it's so over the place. Like, I thought Archie Bradley would get more than $6 million. I thought he would get more than one year, but the Phillies somehow got him for that price. So you really you really can't predict, like, what, what these players are going to get in this market. Yeah, and there, there are still a lot, of, a lot of players out there, um, I think, is something to keep in mind. Um, which obviously we can talk about how it's not good for the sport. Um, you know, there are a lot of teams who haven't signed anyone, but it could end up being good for the Phillies if they, they um, can find a bargain, you know, in the next month or so. Um, so the Phillies, Destiny, you mentioned this earlier, they are probably going to sign a shortstop, or at least it looks like they are interested in, in signing um, a shortstop uh Destiny, do you think that it will be Didi Gregorius? Ooh, um, I really don't know. Um, and it's because I don't really know his market. You know, the, the Angels were reportedly in on him. They have a shortstop now. The Reds are were reportedly in, but they're they're looking like they're cutting payroll. So I don't know if they're getting a contract for, for Didi Gregorius, but I, I do think the two sides are a really good match. I know Citizens Bank Park is very good for for his profile as a hitter. Um, so if he wanted to, if he could only get a one-year deal, he should come back to Philadelphia and reestablish his value again. And I know he'll be competing with that monster shortstop class, but a, a big deal just might not be 
it just might not be it for Gregorius and he just might have to sign these really short-term deals. But, you know, with Bryson Stott possibly coming up soon and the Phillies wanting to make a splash in that that class in 2021, I, I think it's a really good match. And, you know, I remember we were talking about this a few months ago when they were debating whether to give Gregorius that um, qualifying offer. The Phillies might have, you know, we're right of thinking ahead, he's not going to get 18.9 million for one year. So, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy just in general, this off season, so many things have gone their way and they don't deserve it at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm about with destiny on it. I think if it comes down to two years of DD Gregorius or one year of Marcus Semyon, you might go to Semyon who would be a risk, but offensively like he had one year where he's a superstar offensively and the rest is kind of pedestrian or even underwhelming but prior to last year he was an elite fielder and you have someone at third base and Alec Bohm who I think is a superstar offensively and is not meant to stick at third base long term but the Phillies are going to try that this year and having someone who is a better fielder than Didi Gregorius Didi Gregorius is solid Marcus Simeon is above average and that's something to consider in this is that uh, Marcus Simeon would maybe help you alleviate some of the pressure defensively that is on uh, Alec Bohm at third base, but then you lose Didi Gregorius is bad. I mean, Didi Gregorius homered 10 times and drove in 40 runs in a 60 game season. He played every game. This is someone over the course of a full season that would have hit nearly 30 home runs. Really, it was a, a star last year. He's a fan favorite, even though he's never played in front of fans at Citizens Bank Park. So you have to weigh that. In terms of the shortstop class next year, though, I don't know how much that matters if you re-sign JT Real Muto, because if you're signing JT Real Muto for $110 million this year, are you also in the market next offseason to sign Trevor Story or Francisco Lindor or whoever to a deal of $150 million or more? I kind of think not. Like, theoretically, could the Phillies afford to do it financially? Yes. Will they? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that I, I think it's wrong to paint the Phillies as a cheap organization that hasn't been what they've done. Like when people say the Phillies haven't spent, it's not true. They spent on Jake Arrieta. They spent on Carlos Santana, Bryce Harper, uh, Zach Wheeler, go down the list. They've spent. But it is clear that even though baseball doesn't have a salary cap, baseball basically has a salary cap right now where teams are not going to go over that luxury tax threshold. And I, I just don't know. If you're signing JT Real Muto, if you're going to sign another major position player next offseason. So maybe if you sign Real Muto, you're more comfortable going into a second year for Didi. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, but and I also think like um, part of part of next next offseason's class, like does does Gregorius refuse to take a one year deal? Like like you mentioned, they probably add Simeon on a one year over Gregorius on a two year. What does I mean, do either of those guys take one-year deals if they know what they're up against next offseason? I like, think Simeon 100% is taking a one-year deal. So it's just a matter of what Didi gets. And Destiny laid it out. The Angels acquired a shortstop. There doesn't really seem to be interest from either side, Yankees-wise, from what we've been told publicly. Um, the Reds, like, I know they keep saying they're going to add a shortstop, but it, it just doesn't really make sense. You've gutted your entire organization. Why would you sign a 30-year-old shortstop for what? To finish in fourth place in the Central? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that 
right now it does like like destiny said maybe they don't the phillies don't deserve to be here but it does kind of seem like they are um in a very good position to to re-sign both real muto and gregorius and and not you know um give out contracts that people might have thought um they would have to to either guy uh the last thing i'll ask you both uh if they you know add a shortstop do the phillies go in-house in center field in in 2021 yeah, I think that's going to be the position where they probably just have to stick with what what it is in center field. And frankly, I don't think it's very good. Um, the Phillies just don't seem to believe Adam Hazley is more than a, a platoon player at best. And we've talked about this. He's probably more geared to play a corner outfield position. Roman Quinn is fast but uh, and a, truly a great guy. But Roman Quinn's bat is not a starting bat. And you also have the issue over in 162 or however many games they play, his health rearing its ugly head. You, you really have no idea that what Mickey Moniak is going to be if they're, we've seen no evidence he'll be more than a fourth outfielder. So really what it comes down to is if you sign Didi Gregorius to play short or Marcus Simeon or Andrelton Simmons or whoever, and it appears like the Phillies do not think they have an internal shortstop right now, then Gene Segura is going to go to second. Gene Segura was tremendous at second base last year, one of the most complete players on the team. And then you have Scott Kingery as an option in center field. And it's really a put-up-or-shut-up year for Scott Kingery because as much as – I mean, I don't know that we like him as – some people just got carried away with the Dustin Pedroia and Chase Utley comparisons. But I thought Scott Kingery was going to be a good – foundation piece for this Phillies team like on a championship team he could be a starter at some position but the reality is he has had two out of three years and I know he had COVID last year but he's had two out of the three years where he has been one of the worst qualified offensive players in baseball he had a a middle year where the first half was excellent and he tailed off in the second half he needs to put together a complete season this year there are no excuses he's not going to be at second base every game he shouldn't be at second base every game. He's not the best second baseman on the team, but they need someone to step up in center field. And frankly, I think he has more value to the Phillies as a center fielder if it clicks than he does at second base. Let me pose a question to both of you guys. What do you think Scott Kingery's ceiling is at this point in his career? I think it's being like Kike Hernandez. Ooh, that's I, that's I a damning that. yeah there's a damning yeah. like assessment no, of him because I mean, well yeah. maybe yeah, it's Hernandez going back awesome. on yeah i but i guess it's going back to what tim was saying like these crazy comparisons of you know dustin bedroya chase utley and then just that big contract before he even played a game like maybe people you know unfairly evaluated him um i i really don't think he's as bad as what he was in 2018 he's not as bad as what he's what he was in 2020 maybe he's slightly better than what he was in 2019 he's you know a lot of the teams around a game are valuing defensive versatility and he could bring that possibly he could be a good trade chip just because teams could think they could unlock something in him um and And he could play multiple yeah his contract is incredible um so yeah johnny what do you think his ceiling is do you do you agree with him I, i i think i agree i mean he was he was really good in 2019 for like uh you know, two and a half month period. And I know he, like Tim said, he, he trailed off, but, but when he was good, it was all about his, his plate approach. Um, he was swinging at the first pitch more. He wasn't trying to like, you know, that, that whole team was, you had Carlos Santana and Reese Hoskins working 10, 11 pitch at bats all the time. Um, and I think that, you know, they were trying to 
fit guys into that mold and that's not what Kingery was. Um, and once he kind of got out of that, he, he started to hit, um, struck out less. So, so I think like we've seen it from him. It's a matter of, of making that consistent. And, uh, you know, we don't know how COVID affected his, his 2020 season. Um, he only played like what 40 games. So we don't know, we don't know how, how that would yeah. have changed over a full season. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think, you know, the jury's not out on, 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 or the jury's out on, on Scott. Yeah. Kane. I mean, I, I get the feeling COVID affected him quite a bit, but at a certain point you've played three full seasons at the majors now, like until you prove you're not what you have been two out of the three seasons, then th- this is the assessment we're left with. I agree. He's better than, what he was in 2018 and 2020 but we have a sample of three seasons and in two of them he wasn't very good and also his defensive metrics at second base last year were a disaster yeah he was he was i mean he was great in the minors and he was he was bad last year at second base his defensive versatility is is uh really important and he like in 2019 in 2018 he was good at at shortstop he was good in center field like he was like metrically like a, a good defensive player, multiple. Yeah. I, I think he is a center fielder. Like yeah. I think he's an outfielder and that's fine. Center field second base is a way more replaceable position than center field. So if you can figure out a way to get Scott Kingery in center field, or even if next year when McCutcheon is probably not here, Scott Kingery is playing left field, whatever the case is, I think he's still going to provide value, but it needs to happen this year. Yeah, we are. We're going to wrap up on, on that note. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Thanks again to Tim and Destiny for, for coming on. And uh, hopefully over the next week, well, we get some more news to talk about um, on the next episode. You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday and always stay up to date with Philadelphia.